today on The Breakdown. It's a little bit of a different thing because the world's in a little bit of a different place. So when the big name high roller players play a big tournament nowadays, they do it online. So that's where we're heading, online for the Super High Roller Bowl. It's the 25K6 max. There's four players left, and one of them is Victor freaking Blom. That's right, Isildur. And he's going to play a hand where... You know, he's Victor Blom. He knows he's crazy. Everyone else knows he's crazy, too. And we're going to see, is he going to take a match of this whole damn world? Or is he going to maybe just try and make a good play? We're going to look into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Is this uh, is this the first time we've done a breakdown of an online hand? I believe we've done at least one other one in our lives, but I think it was a solid four years ago. Yeah, I think what, we did what, one. Do you know what hand? Do you know what hand it was? We didn't actually do the Sammy Kelloparo folds a set hand, right? We didn't actually do that. No. No, we never did that one. Maybe we, maybe we didn't. Maybe I feel like we did one from like the the scoop championship though back in the day. I feel like we did it once. I don't know, man. It's possible. I mean, for the if you guys want to suggest online hands, that's fine because if it's a podcast only hand, which all online hands will likely be, um, we can do an online hand. Yeah. I mean, there won't be physical tells, but that's okay. We don't need physical tells for every hand. We sure and don't. There's some fascinating hands that happen online. I remember like a scoop hand a couple of years ago that I thought was worthy of a breakdown involving Justin Bonomo. I don't remember exactly who his opponent was or exactly who had what, but it was like Queens against ace king of hearts on a 10 high two heart board. And the action was such that the Queens ended up folding despite putting in a decent amount of their stack. And we talked about it maybe off podcast and came to the conclusion that the Queens were correct to fold hmm. against uh, a well-played range, which was pretty interesting. I don't remember uh, that at all, but you know, there's many things I don't remember. So this is just one of that's true. A whole host of stuff and whatever. You know, that's what do I do. You know what your middle name is? Because you probably don't have to use it that often. See, that, so it's probably been a while. That's a trick question. I'm not falling for it. I have two middle because names. you have a. I have two middle names. So do I know which one? Whatever one I say, you're going to tell me I'm wrong. And also, it's hard to remember both of them. <laughs> it's harder. I don't even. I don't think I remember your middle name because you never talk oh about your middle name. Oh my fucking god! How long have I known you and you don't remember? You didn't say I don't know your middle name. You said I don't remember it, which now is upsetting me. I remember your middle name. It's what is it, Linda? That's incorrect. That is my mother's name. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Gretchen. It's Gretchen. Grant Gretchen yeah. Dennison. It's the GGD. It makes sense. So, you, so you you went with the uh, girl's name thing. You think that's that's real current? In, that's real twenty twenty <laughs> in uh, Latvia. That's a man. That's a man's name. Gretchen is a man's name, and so is Linda. By the way. So now you've offended both <laughs> feminists and <laughs> Latvians. Latvians, first of all, would never be offended by that because Latvians aren't sexist. The fact that you think that's offensive to Latvians or to women, by the way, just goes to show the deep levels of like questionable thought you have by the way that thing you said just before we started recording don't think i have that isn't burned into my brain either oh yeah sure i said something you know what you somebody, said somebody uh, 
an astute and <laughs> and diligent listener over the years, they could they could put together a compilation clip of things that you've said that make you look like one of the worst people ever. I think <laughs> they could right, just like put it all together. You always wait until the you know until you know the recording is off before you say the awful things. That's all. Like, what did you say just before we started? Now you're gaslighting again. Well, okay, I'm just going to say it. You want to avoid it? I'll tell you. He said, he said to me, Hitler, I'm on the fence. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> uh, you, every, every time now, you're gaslighting the audience into thinking that I'm some sort of Nazi or something. Wow. I mean, it's your words, not my... Your words. I never would you're say that. You're a bad that. man. You're a terrible uh, man. I, you know, I thought it was questionable when you said that, but I wasn't going to say anything. But then you like you made this whole big stink, so I had to bring it up. That's this is on you, buddy. <laughs> and the gaslighting continues. Yeah, yeah. It turns out gaslighting is super fun. Super fun. I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bad person, but Chris Jones isn't. Who mm. suggested this hand? Chris Jones is a good person. He often. Tweets out about our podcast when we're too lazy to, yeah, even. I appreciate that, and Chris Jones. Then, you know, retweet that because <laughs> we're like, hey, he did it for us. <laughs> it's cool. Chris Jones is a very nice guy as well. Had us on his podcast one time. Very yeah, the Rec Poker podcast. Yeah. Um, him and a bunch of other nice fellows. I think that was my favorite poker. podcast experience that isn't our podcast that I've ever done. The Rec Poker podcast. Well, that was just rude to a lot of people at the same time. I didn't say everyone else sucked. I just said that was my favorite. Yeah. It's not rude. It was pretty good, yeah. I enjoyed I it. I like those guys. Yeah, they were very nice. Anyway. And, uh, yeah. you know, I like it when people think we're good at stuff. Like, I know. That fun. I know. I like that, too. Anyway, Chris Jones suggested this hand on Twitter. He could not include a YouTube link because it is a Poker Go hand, but if a hand is on YouTube, include a YouTube link. Of course, if it's on Poker Go, include a Poker Go link. If it's on Poker Go, we won't be making a video about it. It will be a podcast-only hand. Um, this hand has two reasons it's a podcast-only hand. One, it's Poker Go. Two, it's online. So those are some good reasons for it to be podcast-only. And it does include one of the most infamous players in history, Victor Blom. Would you call him infamous? Or is that just... It's not Infamous isn't quite the right yeah. word, but he had like a... When nobody knew his identity when he was Isildur, he had like this kind of dark aura to him. Everybody was like, who is this guy? You know? Yeah, I don't think infamous is the right word. I think just... Famous is fine, <laughs> but I hear you. I, yeah. I agree with you about that dark aura thing, and it was a big thing for a while. Those of you who weren't around or don't remember, who is Isildur? Oh my God! You know they're just playing such big stakes and winning and losing so much money every day, and people cared. And then it started to come out. Maybe it's Victor Blom, and most of us didn't know who the hell Victor Blom was, and was like, oh, it's just some guy. And yeah. here we are, just some just some idiot from Northern Europe. And now there's a pandemic, so you do the math. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Victor. I mean, way to go. I mean, maybe if you didn't travel so much for all your poker tournaments, this thing would have been handled a lot earlier. Just putting it out there, Victor. Yeah, I know. What a guy. Anyway, the event we're talking about here is event number two of the Super High Roller Bowl, which has been moved online for obvious reasons. Um, And uh, we're down to four. It was a 25K buy-in. It's an eight max, which is an interesting format. I've never really thought about the difference between eight max and nine max. I generally, if I'm going to play a tournament, especially a live tournament, I would prefer an eight max if given the option. But what, what do you think is the overall purpose of the eight max format? 
uh, there's a little more room at the table. I don't know why why people would do it. They, that was a European thing, right? The EPT was always eight max, I think. And yeah. so maybe it's just a concession to the way European tables are. I don't know, man. It doesn't really make any sense to me why you do that that distinction versus like a six max, which makes a lot more sense to me. Sure, I well, guess I prefer like eight max uh, too, but whatever, you know. Maybe it's just like a tweak, you know, like I think actually I prefer eight max to nine max if given the choice, but it doesn't feel like I have to adjust my play versus a nine max. Nope. So it's like just a a little tweak where I slightly prefer it. And maybe it's just a little better than a nine max. You get to play maybe a, that's what it is. A slightly higher percentage of hands over time because you don't yeah. have your under the gun range, you know. Um, but it's not like uh breakneck speed like six max. Right. You know? Right. It's not crazy at all. You can basically play your nine max strategy almost completely and it'll be nothing will be any different. Right. In fact, that's yeah. what I think. I think I, I, think I like it. I think I like it conceptually better than a nine max. Obviously, there's major issues with it with live poker because yeah. changes capacity. Like the World Series of Poker is never going to make the main event an eight max because that would just kill their bottom line. You know? <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, as someone who's played in the World Series of Poker main when it was 11 max, uh, eight max seems impossible. They'll never do that again. Right. They're never going to do that. I mean, I can't believe they did it once. So I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, what if we come back to what if the World Series comes back either later this year or early next year or something like that? Like they, they end up not canceling it. Right. And they're mm-hmm. trying to do some form of social distancing. They may not have nine handed tables. I don't really know what they're going to do, though. How do they either you do it or you don't really at that point. Right. Yeah. You kind of have to commit one way or the other. Right. I mean, it, I'll, just to get into pandemic stuff a little bit real quick. For those who don't know, like there's research done that shows that indoors, like being six feet apart indoors doesn't matter at all. Like that doesn't really help you being indoors in the same room with people for a long time. You're basically fucked. So having a four max table versus a a nine max table indoors, maybe the the difference is slight. But if you're going to be in there for 12 hours, like it doesn't matter. Like transmission will occur if anybody has it. I mean, it's still clearly better. Like, you know, the closer you are to um, the infected the more like you are to get it. And if you're upwind or downwind matters and all that stuff. So like at a poker table, you're facing people. I think in your, in your back is to most everybody else. I think it helps if you're four max versus well, nine for, max. Because based well, on your theory, the then direct... they should go to 11 max. They should be like, yeah, hey, everyone's going to get it anyway. <laughs> no, in a way, in a way it doesn't, I'm saying it doesn't matter because yeah. like you can be, if you have two people indoors and they stay 50 feet apart in a 50 foot room, and they're there for two days, and one of them has the virus. If there's not significant ventilation, the other person's going to have the virus. Okay. But if you have two people outdoors who are 10 feet apart, and one of them has a virus, the person who's got the virus has to directly cough or sneeze on the other person. Even if they stayed there for two days, the other person wouldn't get the virus. Fine, but who's, like who's going to be in the same room for two days? What are you talking it's about? Not that different when you play 12 hours a day of poker tournaments. I don't know. 12 hours is like, really different than 48 in my math world. Okay, 12, 12 hours is way too much to be in the same room with anybody with the virus, like, I, for I, sure. I don't disagree, but I will say this one other thing, which is, you know, in the Amazon room, the Amazon room is a lot bigger than 50 feet, right? It's like a humongous yeah. room. Um, of course, they're always breaking tables. And I mean, it's a nightmare to try and figure out how you would actually pull this off if, like, there isn't significant herd immunity or vaccine or something like this to do it well without infecting a lot of people. Um, actually, I did a whole podcast on this on my other podcast, Aftermask, where I talked to Matt Vaughn and Matt Savage about this very thing. And Matt Savage, who is, of course, the tournament director and administration, was saying, oh, yeah, it's, you know, effective. It was like, 
they'll be back pretty soon. I think it's it's gonna work out fine. And Matt Vaughn was like, I'm not going back for like years. <laughs> so until there's a vaccine, I'm not going back. So it's really interesting the different perspectives based on I think where you're sitting. This was also, by the way, the interviews were done like six weeks ago. So Matt Savage may have a very different point of view now. Yeah, I mean. This sounds crazy, but legitimately, maybe the best way to bring it back before there's a vaccine is to somehow find a way to do it outdoors. I mean, how how could you do it? I mean, how can you get thousands of people outdoors with cards? I mean, it seems like impossible. It does. It does. Unless seem... you want to go electronic tables. That's the, but then you got sunlight issues. You have to like maybe you, I guess in Vegas, you'd probably need like covering anyway because of rain and the heat and stuff like that. So it's like but then if you have covering, I mean, it's like. It's really hard. If you have to covering, do. it's if you have covering, it's not as bad as being indoors, yeah. but it does trap trap the virus more. Probably doesn't yeah, help. it's it's a it's pretty much impossible until there's a vaccine. There, I mean, po- the live poker world's really going to struggle. I think for the next year or so until this is figured out. Yeah, until the until the vaccine is really handled and out. And imagine if there's like ends up being significant delays in the vaccine. I mean, most people, as I talk to about it, are very optimistic. And are saying even like, you know, maybe by the end of the year, this and that. And like, sure, maybe, but also maybe not. Maybe like it's not going to go as well as we think. And maybe there's going to be supply chain issues or just problems figuring it out. And maybe it's going to be longer. And what if it's two years, you know, and what if it's three years? Like, seems unlikely, but who the hell knows, you know? So like if it's if it's two years, I don't even know, like, what what does live poker look like? Like what happens? I don't know. It's it's People weird. People will be. People will be champing at the bit to come back, and it will come back full force. Yeah, that's true. That would be my... I yeah. mean, that's what we seem to be seeing even now as, like, parts of the world are, like, trying to reopen is where, wherever they do, mostly people are, like, flooding, you know, like, opportunities to go out and do things, at least for a little while. Of course. Yeah. Well, if they, so if it's, if it's two years and there is a vaccine, though, that's a very different yeah. look than there's not a vaccine and we're fucking ourselves over. Yep, for sure. But I mean, as soon as there's a vaccine, anyway. it feels, like, pretty easy. So... Yeah. Anyway. All of this and more are reasons why we're talking about an online hand today yes. that happened recently because, you know, pandemic and such. Pandemic. But it is a fascinating hand. And we thank Chris Jones for suggesting it. Uh, so maybe we should get to the hand. Okay. Finally. I don't care. Sure. <laughs> I don't care. We can talk about, you know, what we were, we were actually talking about instead of Hitler before this started was... Uh, <laughs> That bet that happened like a year and a half ago or something yeah. where with some poker player who was not famous at the time who bet his friend he could be in isolation for a month. Mm-hmm. And then and how he room. actually did did a lot better than we expected. Like the guy in isolation actually ended up getting a buyout. We right? thought we thought it, he was doing so well. It was he had to be in a hotel room with the lights off, I think, for the entire time or something like that. And uh, yeah, we thought he had no chance to win. Actually, we thought he was drawing dead. And it turned out he won easily. And to the point where, yeah, the guy who he had a bet with, like, bought him out for some, for two-thirds of the money or something like that. And the guy, the kid indoor, the kid who was in the isolation, apparently was like, oh, yeah, I could do this, no problem. Like, and he was right. So that was interesting. Now, they did, they had a bunch of rules that I think made it easier for him to do it, which, if I was setting up the bet, I would never allow those rules. I would be like solitary confinement for real if it was me, and then you would lose a lot more. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe this kid just has something going on. You know, he's got himself, like, really put together mentally or something. I don't know. It was impressive. It was impressive to win all that money just hanging out for 20 days, like doing push-ups. I think you would give up on the push-ups eventually. Why? Maybe not. Why? I don't know. Because your mind would go, man. Yeah, they must have made it easy. He must have been able to interact somehow with people to make him like 
Like the people who brought him food or something like that, like you were saying? I think he could maybe, I think he probably spoke a little bit to the people who brought food. Apparently he could hear through the walls a little bit. So he could hear like out, there was construction going on outside. So he already had a sense of the time of when it was like it was uh, a new day, which really made it easier for him too, apparently. Like he always knew when it was oh, a new yeah. day. I think there needs to be silence so that you have no idea what time it is. Like you don't know if yeah. eight hours has passed or, or four days has passed. Yeah, I mean that was the idea. They had soundproofed the room. They thought, and they also made it so that way the food came at, in, at um, intermittent times. So sometimes it'd be nine hours later. Sometimes it'd be two and a half days later. So he couldn't like figure that out. Still really screw yeah. with his head. But then the he because he could hear the construction. None of that was a problem for him. But also, like we were saying before this thing, like there was a camera. He knew that they were recording him and. Um, his dad was watching a lot and stuff like that. So I think he, he could like talk to his dad, even though his dad wouldn't talk back. He knew his dad actually was going to hear what he was saying and have reactions to it and things like that, which I think really makes it different than feeling like you're completely alone, you know, like really yeah. changes it from a mental point of view. By the way, little note, if you're ever in sanitary confinement, pretend someone's freaking filming you and talk to them, you know, maybe that'll help. Like maybe that just drives you crazy though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's the path towards a voice in your head right there. I that's mean, what that is. yeah, that's okay. I'm an only child. I have voices in my head anyway. It's pretty normal. That are not your voice? I mean... Do they have names? Do they have names? <sighs> names is such a weird, have they, weird word. <laughs> have they asked you to do things? And have you done those things? Okay. What are the things? What did you do? <laughs> I'm not comfortable... What? describing, you know, just doing an, an itemized list of all the things I've been asked to do by the voices, okay? I'm not comfortable with that. The voices have asked me not to divulge that. I'm, I'm going to respect the voices' privacy. Um, they don't <laughs> okay. have names per se. And, you know, it's one of those things where if I, if I were to say what the voices were telling me to do, there could be penalties and consequences to that for all of us. They don't have... Names per se, does that mean like they don't have names that can be properly <laughs> formatted by a human mouth? <laughs> um, they, if they, it's more that they have like, it's hard to explain because you're thinking about it from a, from a normal man's perspective. You know what I mean? And that's fine, but that's where you're coming from. So you, it's like trying to describe, you know, the color purple to a blind man, you know? So these, these entities have... I wouldn't call them names, but they have familiarities about them. A feel, a sense, a, te- okay. a texture, if you will, you know? All right. Are you done? With that oh, note. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, with, okay. th- with that note, let's get to the hand. <laughs> okay. We've been fucking around and talking about other shit for a solid 19 minutes. So yeah. Wow. That's it's hand time. One of the records. That, that may be a record. <laughs> it's a yeah, pandemic. You know. What do you want? It's the pandemic. <laughs> I'm stuck at home. It's been four months. Leave me alone. All right. <laughs> but you're not alone, though. You have the voices. Thank or, God. I guess if that's, I don't know if that's the right thing to call them. I'm sorry if I'm offending them by calling them voices. Whatever. We'll get to the hand. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Go. Four players remain in this 25K. Fourth is 131K up to first, which is 479K. Yeah. Victor Blom is going to start the action in the small blind with 10 of clubs, eight of hearts, and he's got 2.3 million, so about 40 bigs. His opponent is Bosco Ramon in the big blind, and he's got 11 blinds. He's got 672K in, in front of him, and he has significantly less than the next shortest, shortest stack, which is 1.6 million. Hmm. So he should be concerned about his tournament life, but also he's kind of like got the green light to go for it a little bit more than if there was another really short stack. Absolutely. Um, so 10-8 off, 
What do you think Victor should be doing here? Man, it's a weird spot with 11 blinds. I feel like I could make a case for all three options pretty pretty reasonably. Like it's only half a blind to to call and see if the guy just checks. Which you got to figure sometimes he's going to check. He's not always just going to shove, right? He's not going to shove 100% yeah. of hands. Well, um, I mean some players are, but probably not in the super high roller bowl. Right, yeah. Um this guy's got over a million in in earnings. He's playing in this 25k buy and we feel like if he's shoving 100% then if you show me 100%, we should complete and fold and then trap him because this, this yeah. is going to come around. This opportunity is going to come around again, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bust him pretty easily. So, so limping is, is pretty tempting. Um, I guess 10-8 is just too good to fold for half a blind. I guess it is, even though like, I just yeah. hate the fact that if every time we get raised, it just sucks. We basically have to fold well, every think, time we're raised. You know? I think with this situation where the big blind has 11 blinds, we have to have a group of hands that are like that, yeah. where like... We have to construct ranges for each situation. In this situation, part of the range sucks. Like, yeah. it sucks to have 10-8 off where, like, shoving is minus EV for sure. Like, unless yeah. the guy way overfolds, it's minus EV. Um, Hard to believe so he'd be overfolding. Yeah. That's, that's pretty out of the question as a good play with this hand. But it's also, like, yeah, if this guy has any balance to his game whatsoever, we should limp. And yeah. even if he doesn't, we should limp to set it up for next time. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. like, it feels like... We have to have a limping range that also folds when the guy shoves, and this is part of it. Yeah. What do you do if the guy has eight blinds with this hand? Same thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be shoving a little bit more, but... Yep. Oh, well. So be it. It sort of sucks. Yeah, you're right. We have to have parts, parts of the range that just suck when, when aggressive actions are taken. That's fair. And it's just like, it, it falls squarely in the category of hands that feel clearly minus EV to shove, but also too good to fold. Like, so basically minus EV to fold also. Yeah. I mean, I assume that there's also a uh, an ante of some sort in this. There's a 7,500 individual ante yeah. because it's online, so there's no big blind ante. So there's 30. So, th- so there's, 100 and, there's 120K in the pot, and it's 30K to, uh, to call. So we're getting four to one, hoping that he checks, basically. Like, that's pretty good. He's going to check more than 20% of the time, I got to believe. So if he isn't, then it's fine. Like we're saying, like then we can trap him and there's going to be opportunities to bust him down the road. So, right. Of course, inherent in the strategy of having parts of your range that you're limp folding, you also have to have limp calls. Yeah. So Blom's going to have to have balance where like sometimes he has big hands or at least hands that are good enough to limp call and feel comfortable about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right. I, I think, I think a limp makes the most sense. I think that's what I would do because it's so cheap. Uh, I'm like, boy, I wish this was suited. I could talk myself into a shove, but it's not, so I can't, you know? Yeah, I think I would still prefer to limp, but, you know, it's closer. Yeah. Anyway, so he, so he completes from the small He blind. completes. Bosco Ramon is in the big blind with th- those 11 blinds, and he's got 5-4 off, decides to check. Yeah. It, it feels pretty reckless to shove a hand like this. You could see a flop and hope to hit with 5-4 off, basically. And, in position, you know. even. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. And we know Blom's going to be trapping sometimes here, for sure. Like, there's no chance he's right. just limping everything. He's going he's to be limp folding a, a big percentage of this of his hands here. Some percentage, but not enough, right? Yeah, it's, and 11 yeah. blinds is still pretty good. Like, we still have fold equity later. If, you know, we don't need to just attack with 5-4 off when we get to see a flop for free in position. Yeah, it seems straightforward. What, what's so fascinating about this short stack scenario is that these simple actions let us know so much about Bosca Ramon in particular's range here yeah and like we can just chop off a huge chunk of it i know just like oh yeah this guy never has ace queen like it's impossible basically if he He, is it all good he pretty much never has an ace 
Unless yeah. it's maybe it may, almost never, maybe once in a while, he's like going to trap with a few aces, but you know, to protect his check back range. But almost all of his aces are just shoving, right? He just can't worry yeah. about protecting his check back range when he's got 11 blinds, right? Right. I think that's not as valuable as, as grabbing the equity you get when you shove a proper range here in this spot, especially yeah. when you, you're this deep in this tournament. Yep. So it, so it sort of sucks that we're giving so much away and Blom's giving so little away. But here we are. Right, like, we basically know that the guy doesn't have a pair. We know he doesn't have any ace most of the time. Mm-hmm. Probably no big kings either. Maybe even not, no, no kings at all, you know? Now, now, in fairness, Blom doesn't have his entire... I don't think Blom is limping 100% here. Like, I think, like, no. bad aces he's going to shove. A bunch of, like, suited kings he's going to shove. Suited queens he's going to shove. So he's going to be shoving a bunch of stuff to stuff that he doesn't really want to limp call with. But then he's going to have a bunch of... All his good hands he's probably limp calling with... Um, like ace, whatever, ace nine plus maybe something like that. Um, King queen, maybe he can limp call with if he wants, um, versus well, not, not all of, well, like not all of the King queens and ace nines, but like sometimes yeah. he'll be doing that okay. rather than shoving. But, but the yeah. point is like, yeah, so, so Blom doesn't have like all the aces, you know, but, but still he's got a lot stronger range right now than, than Bosca does for sure. Like a right. lot. Stronger. Like I feel like Blom can have aces, not that often, but he can have them, whereas it doesn't feel like Bosca can have them. Right. I agree. I agree. Blom yeah. can have aces. No matter what the flop is, Blom could probably have sets, unless it's the flop is three yeah. low cards, maybe, where we assume he's just going to shove his baby pairs. But like, yeah. as soon as you get to like, as soon as there's a card above like a seven, Blom can have sets, and Bosca can't. Can uh, Sets of those hands, you know, for sure. Right. So that's, that's a thing, too. Anyway, here we are. All right, 210. Going into the flop, 210K in the pot. Yeah. And the uh, flop is Ace of Diamonds, Deuce of Clubs, Seven of Hearts. Nothing working for Blom with 10-8 off. Bosca does have a gut shot with 4-5. Blom's going to bet. I guess he is aware of his range advantage. Thinks that he probably has more aces than his opponent. Also, like, what can this guy do if he didn't at least get a piece of this flop? He just has to fold so many hands. Yeah. Might as well take take a shot. Absolutely. So Blom bets 60K. As Bosca with the gut shot, do you want to raise or do you want to call? Because folding seems out of the question. I want to call and not raise because we have such a significant range disadvantage here. Blom absolutely has a lot of snap calls if we raise. When we raise, I assume we're basically effectively moving in. Um, I guess we wouldn't have yeah, to. Blom's probably but. calling with most of his sevens if right. we move in. Exactly. Right? I think he is. I think he has yeah. to. Um, so, like, we might be able to, because we're in position, I want to use that. And so Blom's going to give up a lot on the turn if he doesn't have anything, and we can just bluff then, and great, you know? So I like, I like just yeah. to call here when it's this cheap and we get to be in position and see another card. Uh, if Blom were to bet again on the turn, we probably have to fold mostly. Like, I don't want to take many aggressive actions when we've got such a range disadvantage. But this feels like a pretty straightforward call to me anyway. What do you think? Yeah, it's si- yeah I think so. Six- 16 to 210 is also a pretty good price. So feels feels reasonable to call with the plan of plan A is to hit a three, plan B is to bluff. It's yeah. actually uh, 60 into uh, 270 because the pot's already 210. Uh, so it's even well, better. Blom bet 60 into 210, but yeah, 60 to, to win 270. Yeah, right. from Bosca's point of view. Um, so it's pretty good. Uh, well, oh, it look, looks like I was wrong about the 210 here. Oh, really? Actually, it is 60 into 210 because the pot's going to be 270 after Bosca calls. Oh, which it, it is. Does. Yeah, so it was 150. Uh, the pot was 150, my bad. Oh, that makes sense, actually, with 30K. Uh, it does. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah, 
So, but so he's getting three and a half to one to call in position for one blind where he's going to have significant bluffing opportunities on the turn a lot of the time. Yeah. This all feels like a call. Yeah. And he does. And uh, call your doctor because Nitrogen Sports is going to give you a heart attack of joy. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hell yeah, I do. You better get me some antibiotics because I got poker fever over here. That sounds dangerous. And uh, make sure you stay six feet away from people when you go outdoors. But at the same point, it's a wonderful fever to have because it's a nitrogen poker fever. And if you use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for nitrogen, you get access to our exclusive red carpet gold medal winning champion best beer in the world poker tournament that happens at the last Sunday of every month. It is an incredible deal. It costs 0.1 millibits to buy in. The guarantee is 100 millibits. That means the guarantee is 1,000 times the buy-in. They only even allow 300 players in, but guess what? They don't get that many. They get 180. That means there's like a huge overlay, and the math hall says that you should play it, or you basically shouldn't be allowed to drive a car. It's the like those are. That's how it works. It's basically it's recently been named by the IGPI as the um, best tournament value in poker. So thank you, IGPI, for that. It's not too, too often a tournament is award-winning, but here you go. What is an IGPI? Well, you know what the GPI is, right? The Global Poker Index. Yeah. yeah this is the IGPI. Yeah. It's the imaginary Global Poker Index. Ah. So. That's good. Yeah. It's the voices in my head, bro. <laughs> They're back. <laughs> Probably can't get sued for that. I Let's figure. Hope. I think uh, we're okay. Yeah. I think we're okay. Yeah. That's good. It's good to be okay in a world where nitrogen sports exists. You should sign up. You yeah. should play the tournament. You should also play other poker. They also have casino games. And, of course, they have sports betting. Who knows? Maybe the NBA is going to restart in Disney World in July. Looking and like it may. all those games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. They're going to have... If they do, the games are going to be like four games a day every day, nonstop. It's going to be great. So many opportunities right. to bet. <laughs> just came out that if... Uh, I'll, I'll just do this really quickly, and then we'll be back to the okay. poker. But um, Damian Lillard came out and said that if the season is structured in such a way that the Blazers are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs automatically, he won't play any of the games because yep. of the risk. Yep, yeah. it's uh, it's good. this is where it's really going to get interesting. Now I don't, you're right; we need to yeah. get back to the hand, but like I've been waiting for this exact kind of a thing where a big star says, "I'm not going to play," and this makes me think about not just poker. I'm sorry, not just basketball, but poker and all sports and all these events. Where like, what happens when they when they have the World Series of Poker and like Phil Ivey's like, "Well, I'm never playing in that," and Tom maybe not Tom Dwan, but like you know, just like Chris Moneymaker's like, I can't, "I'm not going to go to that right now," and like, what happens to these to these events? So. It's going to be fascinating to watch the NBA. It's like our little experiment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of me roots for every outcome of this to like, cause it'd be fascinating to see what happens, but also I don't want people to, you know, get the virus and die. You, every, anyway, every on. outcome of this, every outcome of this. So no. one outcome is no. everyone in the NBA dies. And so does everyone else in the world. And part of you roots for that. That doesn't wow. seem like a possible outcome. That really okay. doesn't seem like a possible how about, outcome. How about everyone in the NBA dies? That's not a possible outcome. Okay, either. Damian Lillard dies. That's a possible outcome. And apparently part of you roots for that. Wow. He's your hometown favorite player, and you kind of want oh, him to die. you are exhausting. Let's get back to the hand. <laughs> okay. Right. So the pot, the pot is 270K. We got the flop of Ace of Diamonds, Deuce of Club, Seven of Hearts. Victor Blom is the aggressor, having limp preflop, but betting the flop with 10-8 off. Uh, his opponent has a uh, four or five for the gut shot and a very short stack with about 10 blinds remaining. 
The turn is a good one for Victor Blom. It's the eight of clubs. Yeah, great Brings card. a second club, gives Blom a pair. It also gives Bosca a double gutter. So Bosca can now make a straight with either a deuce or a or sorry, three or a six. So what do you think Blom should do? I mean, Blom almost always has the best hand, right? We've spent already a fair amount of time talking about how Bosca kind of never has an ace. So when we turn an eight, Bosca doesn't really have any eights unless he made two pair with that eight. Right, like right. He like doesn't bombs have... ahead in, unless Bosca has seven eight or, or eight deuce because he's just right. folding like any of the eights that wouldn't have paired on the flop. Or a slow played seven deuce is the only other possible hand we're even losing to, I think, which seems unlikely, right? right? But possible. Um, so I think we should bet for value. Like it looks like we got called on the flop, right? Bosca has something. He didn't just fold, which he could have. So I think we should try and get value out of a seven or even a deuce by betting again. We're yeah, Victor I mean, Blum. Like, We've got a crazy rep. So basically, this guy has either a gut shot or a seven or a deuce. Yeah. Or two pair now, right? Like, So one of those gut shots, which he has, became a double gutter. Mm-hmm. The other two gut shot possibilities, three, three five and three four, are both probably going to fold to a sizable bet. But that's a fine outcome. Exactly. For Blom as well, right? Yeah. That's... So you, you're, you can expect action from four, five. You can expect three, five and three, four to fold. You can expect to sometimes get called by... Especially sevens and sometimes deuces. Yeah, we're Victor. So yeah, Blum. like, we and, we, and we're gonna just snap. We're just gonna snap call if this guy moves in, right? Like, I hope you don't Fuck have two yeah. pair. Hell just yeah, we're you, we're never folding. This is an easy call. We can we like roll our eyes and throw the chips in really quickly. I think is what we do. Except it's online, so we roll our eyes and click call. We're like, all right, I guess maybe you got you have. Do you actually have seven eight? Like, really? You know, do you really have eight deuce? Yeah. Okay. You know, I guess I have outs. I have outs against everything. That's for sure. You know. Yep. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Bosca doesn't have one of the folds, but does he have one of the shoves? Yeah. Should he be shoving this double gutter now? It is Victor Blom, and we do have five high. So Blom could have a lot of stuff here, you know? We want to fold out all that stuff because it all has us beat right now. It's, the problem, of course, is when Victor bets a second time, he's now kind of polarized the hands that are going to snap one way or the other, I think. Like, he doesn't have a sure. deuce almost ever. He doesn't... He may, doesn't he doesn't have it doesn't really sevens. matter how fast he it doesn't really matter how fast he makes the decision though right it just matters the ratio of what those decisions are what i'm saying is he's polarized though is like all his yeah. middle stuff would have checked so it's going to be um bluffs which i just don't think he has that many of maybe he could have turned clubs and be bluffing maybe he could have yeah. turned um a straight draw and be bluffing i guess uh but besides that I don't think he's going to bluff with no equity. Although he's Victor Blom, maybe he is bluffing with no equity sometimes. If he has a lot of no equity bluffs, then we should probably just shove. I mean, if it's 2010 Victor Blom, he's for sure got a lot oh, of no yeah. equity bluffs, but he may no longer have that. We're not sure right. as the poker guys. Maybe Bosca knows. But right. if, he does have, if he does have too many no equity bluffs, I think we're supposed to shove. I agree. But if he doesn't, we're probably supposed to call. Yeah, let's look at this call, though. Let's like look into it a little bit. So it's 180 to win how much here? To win... 450. Yeah. So we're not getting an amazing price at all. Now, there is implied odds, in theory, of another 432K we'd have back, right? So we could win like almost 900K for this 180. We're actually not really getting the right price to call here. I don't know if we should do this. So you think we should move in? I think we could, I think we should consider folding or moving in. Just because he made it so expensive. Yeah. If we were even a little bit deeper, I think we can do more stuff. But we're we're not even getting four to one. 
sorry, we are getting four to one. We're getting we're getting almost five to one. I take that back. But some of our outs are now questionable, like where we hit a club and we make our straight. And I don't know if that's bad for us now. You know what I mean? Since Victor bet again right now, like it's close. I guess it's close because we, right we are, we are getting not, like four and a half to one, I guess. Right. No, you're no, we're not. No, we're not. We're not. It's 180 to win 450. Right. No, I know. But I'm including the implied odds of the extra 432 we'd ah, win if we were to ah, the implied odds. So it's almost 900K in there. So it's better than four to one now, right? Yeah. But it's not amazing. I guess it's better than five to one even, isn't it? No, how could it be? It's just, it's just a little worse than five to one. If we, if, I feel like if this was a rainbow card on the turn, it, I'd be much more apt to want to call here. I think it's really close. I think it's fine to fold. I think it's fine to fold five high and have no when we don't have any chips. Because what happens every time we call and brick? Like now we're we're really changing the the math for everyone else for the for the next few times we shove, where it's way easier to call us. I think I, I much prefer a shove to a fold against Victor Blum. Because you think he's just got enough no equity bluffs here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do. So can we can we at least agree that we think a call is maybe the worst option? Because I'm starting to think be. a call is the worst option here. It might be. Now, we actually asked the solver about this, right? And the solver likes a call big time. Yeah. Solver only wants to call. So the solver yep. must think it can steal things on the river some of the right. time, right? Which is maybe true, you know? Like, if if Blom does have no equity bluffs, some of those are going to give up on the river and we get to win. Absolutely, they are. Once this guy puts in this many chips, you figure he just has a hand he's... It seems, it seems hard to try and bluff him on the river. So maybe we think Victor Blom's going to play relatively face up on the river and we're going to be able to take advantage of that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I guess if we think that, then we can call. If we think Victor Blom's got a lot of bluffs here, then we can just shove. Like, like just too many bluffs we can shove and pick them off and once in a while get there even when we get called. And like we were saying before, it's okay to bust here. Like we're the shortest stack by a lot. It's fine to bust here. We're forehanded like... Like the, and the laddering stuff isn't that exciting. Like, sure, we make another 74K if we move up a spot, but, you know, there's 350K difference between fourth and first. Like, we should be trying to win that, you know, and this is a reasonable spot to try and win it. Huh, I feel like I can make a case for all three now. I've sort of come back around to all three are reasonable to me. I think I like a shove best. Hmm. Just opponent dependent. I mean, a, a tiger might grow old over the years but it still has stripes jonathan still has stripes yeah it is hard to like you know old dog new new tricks and all that at the same point when you're victor blum and you bet and the guy calls on the flop you just have to think like i mean it's a rainbow board it's three four four five or a pair kind of always right like he's not calling with king high here he would have shoved king high pre-flop if he or thought... three or three five or three five you're right or three five um he might sometimes raise those on the flop, even though we don't really like him doing that. But he might. Uh, he might. He's going to have a lot of pairs here. And so when Victor bets again, Victor would assume he's getting called a lot, I think, on the turn. So Sure, but whatever. I mean, if the guy thinks Victor's over-bluffing, he can shove yeah. anyway. You're right. You're right. I'm just saying, I'm wondering if Victor's really going to over-bluff in this spot. And I guess it comes back to, has the Tiger changed It's Victor Blom. Yeah. Yeah. So if he's, if he's like Victor Blom of old, we can probably shove. If he's like Victor Blom of new, perhaps, new Victor Blom, sort of like when the Hound like went away for three seasons and came back and was like working at a ministry building churches or something like that and was like whistling while he worked for half a, half a cold open until Ian McShane was hanging and then he went back to killing everyone cold-bloodedly. 
Um, if it's like that, then maybe we uh, maybe we have to do it differently. You don't want to shove against you don't want to shove against that. I mean, the hound, dude, he's bloodthirsty. He's a tough guy. He'll call. He's yeah. gonna call. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Bosca settles on a call. Yeah. Which you know, like you said, it's a very close spot. The- All directions seem like they're crappy, but also okay. Yeah. I'm surprised the solver loves the call so much more than everything else. It's so clear about it, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. It must, so Bosca calls. And yeah. The pot's now big. It's 630K, and Bosca's got 432 remaining. I mean, geez. Okay, well, we should have a pretty straightforward series of choices for our, for our game tree, for Bosca at least, right? Like, as the river. Well, depending, um, on, depending on the river card. Well, sh- um, sure. What I'm saying. The most... The most difficult game tree choices would probably be if a four or a five came yep. and Blom shoved. Probably then, we fold, but it's close at least, right? Yeah. But that's not what happens. It's the queen of hearts. Yeah. Blom decides to check. What do you think about this decision? Um, it's interesting. So at first, when we were, ta- when we were watching the hand, uh, we both, I think, immediately thought that made sense. But it's very reasonable to value bet here, too. Like, we are almost always ahead as Victor Blum, and I'd be really worried about a seven or a deuce checking back. So, like a seven in particular. Like, a deuce may fold anyway, but a seven where Victor Blum... would consider consider calling if we shoved? Yeah, I, I assume it would. And I'd hate to lose value against a seven. Like, there's basically... Unless this guy got really lucky with a turned or river two pair, we're ahead. So, yeah. as Victor, the question is, by checking, can we induce bluffs um, more so than we're going to get calls if we shove ourselves? And I don't know how many bluffs are really there. Like you were saying, you like a shove with 4-5 anyway. We don't think 3-5 and 4-3 are going to be there. They're going to fold anyway on right. the turn, right? Or shove the turn. They're either they're or not shove. They're, they're, they're definitely not going to call. Like, they have a much easier binary decision. So, I think there's, more, four, made, I think there's more made hands in Bosca's range right now than draws, even though he happens to have a draw. I think there's significantly more made hands. And so I'm worried those made hands are just going to check back and we're going to miss out on value. Yeah, I agree. I think probably a shove is a better choice, but turns out Blom decided not. So he checks. Yeah. turns out the solver agrees with us on this one and really likes a shove like pretty much 92% of the time or something. All right. So as Bosca. Here we are. We kind of have, we have to go for it, right? Yeah. This is what's part of the equity of the turn call is like, well, sometimes he's got a two barrel bluff that he's going to give up on and I can win on the river. Yep. You're, I'm sitting there as Bosca thinking like, I hope he didn't river a freaking queen in calls now though. Like feels like that happens so often as he just check calls a queen, <laughs> <laughs> but he might shove a queen actually too. Like he's, he might just shove a queen. Like if we're talking about shoving yeah. an eight, he should probably be shoving a queen. So yeah. All right. So Bosca's going to go for it. He's going to move in. Yeah. And here comes the fun part. Let's analyze his range and if Blom should call with an eight. Okay. Okay. So the hands that he can shove for value comfortably. Can he shove? I think I want to start with, can he shove a good seven? A good seven. So that would be like Jack seven. I guess Jack seven is his best seven. Yeah. I think it's close, but I think he can. I think he can just barely shove a good seven because... Blom may not have king seven in his range. He may be shoving king seven pre. Queen seven, he's probably just going to move us in with anyway on the river because it's so strong, um, probably. So jack seven may be good enough. I think jack seven's good enough. What do you think? I don't. 
I don't feel good enough about yeah. Jack Seven. I'm too worried about I'm too worried about Blom doing exactly what he's doing here and having either an eight or a queen and yeah. playing it just like this. Yeah. Like I think we have to have a decent amount of checkbacks here at, and we're just kind of boxed into that because of our stack and, and the situation we're in. But I think deuces and sevens just play really well and really simply as checkbacks. Mm-hmm. And that way you don't make a massive mistake and blow up your tournament. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a fair point. At the same point, man, it'd be really nice to get called by a slightly worse seven, wouldn't it? It feels so good. And it's, so maybe I mean, you could f- only, if you're going to shove a seven, it can only be Jack seven, right? I mean, can, Jack like, seven, not even, Except for the weird two pair of hands, Jack Seven's the best. Jack Seven is the best one pair of hand we have, right? Yeah. It kind of has to be. So, you know, that makes me want to uh, be open to shoving it a lot because I think Vlom can sit there and do the math himself and be like, I'm just losing to a few sevens here if he's got a seven himself. You know, and I don't know. Call. I think we might have enough value shoves that it's okay to have that as a check back. I mean, if we have all combos of seven, well, we don't have all combos of seven deuce, but we have all combos of eight deuce. And all combos of queen. Well, not we all don't. combos of eight deuce. We don't. Sure. Yeah. We have all combos of queen deuce. Yes. We got that. Yes. Um, we have some combos of eight deuce and even fewer combos of seven deuce. I mean, we might fold queen deuce sometimes on the turn. But mostly we're calling mm. with it. We might, nah, sometimes, I don't think we, we might sometimes fold it. I'm, I don't think so. Uh, not against Victor Blom. And seven, eight. Also, we have some of that. Some, so, but also, but like, yeah. as you're saying, like our two pair hands, some of them are around, but I don't think we have all combos of any of those. And the, two, and the, and the, the ones with eights in them, we definitely are raising sometimes on the turn for sure. So yeah. we can cut yeah, down those right. fairly significantly. So I don't know how much more value we have is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you can shove Jack seven, but it's really close and it would feel kind of crappy as you did it. I don't know that I would shove anything. I mean, 10-7, I think I'd probably just like, I'd be like, uh, I'm going to look nitty, I check. You know, um, I think jack seven's probably where I start with my shoves. So I wonder if that's enough even. I wonder if we're supposed to have more value there, but whatever. The truth is, though, we don't have very many bluffs anyway, unless we decide to turn a deuce into a bluff on the river. Which seems really unnecessary against Victor Blom. Why would we do that? Why would we call the turn to turn it into a bluff on the river? It seems crazy. Like, isn't he calling with better hands anyway, mostly? I mean, if Blom took this line with a seven or an eight, he's mostly calling. I would think so. We were just talking about trying to get value out of a seven. We know he's calling with yeah. an eight, right? We have to believe. I should say we know. But, like, I would be calling with an eight for sure if I was Blom, based on everything we just did, right? All that. Like, it makes sense. Like, an eight yeah. is way ahead of... We're talking about just shoving jack seven. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, so there's so actually maybe there's not very many bluffs either. Maybe five fours are only bluff. I mean, if we maybe we can be like Sam Greenwood and show up with three four and three five like hands that don't have right. the right odds to to draw and like, but we want to mess with our opponents so we can have those hands. Three four of clubs, three five of clubs, we can. But that's those are clear ones. Although we might have shoved those yeah. on the turn too, but maybe not. We didn't shove a double gutter. Um, right. But besides that, maybe once in a while. But it seems crazy to do that. It seems like well, we're this short. But you're right, Sam Greenwood has done this exact thing. So. And we're not really talking about club draws much because it doesn't really seem like there are any club draw bluffs we can have besides those three, four, three, five, and four, five of clubs. Agreed. Other than that, we don't have them on the flop. And if we have the seven X of clubs, then it's just a seven. And we're going to play it like the sevens, which means maybe we're shoving jack seven and checking back if it's worse. You know? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. So it's weird, actually. So we don't have very... Our range is pretty tight here in terms of like just how many hands and combos there are. There just aren't very many, right? It's like when if, if we were to shove, 
which which is Bosk, of course he does because of course he does. He does. Right? Yeah. He's got five high. Like this is like his only bluff is five four. We think, except maybe the club draws that were, um, that were a combo draw on the turn as well. Like the three five of clubs and the four three of clubs, and then his and his value is like the two pair hands in jack seven, and that's it. Maybe that's well, all the hands combina- he has. Let's do some combinatorial work and see let's if Blum should call based on that simple math and okay. not get too expansive with it. So okay. if he has six. Let's say you get. Let's give him sixteen combos of four or five. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, well, he's going to shuffle the turn maybe sometimes. Maybe we give him like 12 okay. combos of 4-5. That sounds better. That sounds more reasonable. And how many how many combos of 2-pair? He's got all of the queen-deuce. I think he's okay. got all... fine. Fine. So it's nine combos of queen-deuce? Yeah, nine combos of queen-deuce. And then probably something like three or four combos of the other two pairs that either had it on the flop or turn. Yeah, something like that. Maybe so less. About, so maybe it's like... But maybe total it's something like... 15, 14 obvious value combos before we put in Jack-7 anyway. The two pairs, like yeah, 14 then, combos, 15 combos. And Jack-7, by the way, is on the call side of Blom's meter because he has an 8. So if we put if we add Jack-7 and we're adding that into the, the right. bluff side, even though it's not a bluff. Right. Uh, so, so Jack, if, if yeah, Jack-7 is part of it, it's an easy call, actually. Without right. Jack-7, it's, it's an easy call, actually, too. Yeah. This is an easy call for Blum if yeah. if we're right combinatorially. And uh, he does make the call. And I think both players played the river fine. Yeah. I think Bosca knows that in order to make the turn call profitable, he has to shove the river against a guy like this if he misses, if he gets the opportunity to. And Blum knows that an eight is way too good to fold. And, and by the way, even if we give Bosca all combos of two pair, instead of like saying, well, maybe he doesn't have all of them, give him all seven, eight, all eight deuce, all queen deuce. Still, it's a call for Blum. And take away Jack-7, it's still a call. So it's not like, there's not much to do here. It's, um, I guess if there's some slow-played 7-deuce on the flop, which he goes yeah. call, call, shove, it's getting closer, but that means, I don't know. But then Jack-7 has to not be shoving also. And this just feels like a super straightforward call for, um, for Victor. Where like, if he, unless he has two pair, I win, right? Like, just yeah. period. Pretty good. Solver well, that's what happens. Solver's like Blom always calls. Call. Yep. Blom calls. Bosca goes out in fourth place for 131K. Blom ends up heads up with Big Hooney and uh, loses. Yeah. Gets second place for 320K. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not a bad day at the office. Day at the office, eh? Day at the office. Day at the office, eh? Yeah. Uh, how, and Blom didn't really take that long to call either. He took like 15 seconds or something and called, right? Something like that. He's like, okay. I mean, I guess I this is pretty. It's the old eye roll click call thing, like we were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And that's how you break down an online poker hand. Just like that.